Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to study the theme education. Lesson two, the family. Our memory text for this week. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 8. The first family. Adam and Eve and their sons and daughters. The first family established the first model school. School in a family. Family school. There's a Sabbath school and a family school. In the family, the little ones learn all things they need for life. Good ones, sometimes bad ones. Therefore it is so important that the little ones see in my life what is important and what is less important. What has, has a value to live for and what is good for nothing. And the little ones, they look, they look around and they see, uh-huh, mm-hmm. And they ask and they go in the wrong direction and you tell them, no, not this way, this is the right one, take care. When you want to cross the street, there are cars around. And if you make a mistake, it can happen that you make this mistake only once, because then you are dead. I remember there was a Sabbath walk with a group of families. Then we came to a part of the road where we saw a dead animal. It had been hit by a car and then the tire went over it and now it was flat as a stamp on a postcard. And all the kids sur surrounded this dead little animal and then I said, listen, this animal was very, very quick one day, but it wasn't quick enough when a car came, and now it's dead. Look, you will look like this when you don't look when you cross the street. Oh, that big eyes. Ah, this is being dead. And one little child said, can't play anymore. No, can't play anymore. It's dead. So if you want to play longer than this animal, then look before you cross the street. So they learn in the family what's life, 
what life is like, what is dangerous, what is fine, what is good. If you hear a word which is not a fine word, you can say, we don't use this word. But my friend, my neighbor, he said, yes, but you do not use this word, okay? Uh-huh. They learn. What is worthwhile? And what can you forget? And in the family, they should learn the most important thing. There is a heavenly loving father. As the Apostle Paul put it in the letter to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 11, the just shall live by faith. And faith is trusting relationship. And this is the most important aspect. What you can show to your kids. I remember one day I enter the room where my little daughter slept and they were already awake and they were in front of their bed knelt there and prayed just when I came in. I was astonished. Wow! They're already awake and they pray kneeling in front of their bed. And then I asked them why are you doing this? I've seen it. Where? You, you have done the same in front of your bed. What do we show to our little ones? Then they can copy it. The good things they will copy and the bad things as well. So show them the good things. The Childhood of Jesus. We do not hear a lot about Jesus' childhood, but what we hear, the information we get, the small information, is very, very important. It was Luke, the medical doctor, who asked Mary how it was in the beginning. She gave the information to him. Of course, she, she was the best informer for that. When I look at Mary, this young woman, it's, it's interesting. She gets visited by an angel. A young woman, teenager, and she's visited by an angel. This tells me something about her, about her character. I remember a talk with a Roman Catholic woman. She knew that I had grown up in the Protestant church, Lutheran church, and she said, ah, Lutheran church. So you are against Mary. Uh, uh, what do you mean? Yeah, you do not believe in her. You, you don't think that she is a special person. I said, oh no. 
of all the young women in Israel at that time. She was the best. She, she, she was the star among all of them. Hmm? Why do you say that? Yeah. God elected her as mother for his son. So you can be sure that he looked around and not taking someone who is not able to. He took the best. And he elected her. Not she said, take me. I am the best. He elected her. She was very surprised that she got a visit by an angel. And she was even more surprised when she heard, I I am elected for giving birth to the Savior of the earth. Imagine the honor. And she said, but how can that be? I do not know of any man. I, I'm, not, I'm not married yet. The power of the Almighty will come over you. In those days, it was impossible if you were not married to become pregnant. How can that be? You do not live together. You were a virgin when you married as a woman. Everything else, you, you, you cannot think about it. If here someone trespassed in this area, that the life of this person, the career, that was gone. You, you were like a criminal forever. In your village, forget about it. We do not do something like this in Israel. This was the rule. When we are married, then we live together in one household, and then this is the place for sexuality. But only then, not before. Can't be. We're not married. So she says to the angel, I'm not married. How can it be? The power of the Almighty. And when she tells Joseph about it, I'm pregnant. Uh, the Holy Spirit did it. <laughs> yeah. And you think that I'm going to believe this. I'm not silly. So Joseph is visited by an angel. He gets a vision. And he's told what Mary, your fiancé, said is the truth. She's pregnant because of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph thought to, to leave her alone. But then, he took her, but he did not touch her. No sexual connection. It was too holy for him. Because of the Holy Spirit. Mary, a wonderful woman. So this Roman Catholic woman got big eyes that I have such an attitude towards Mary, but I told her another thing, but she cannot save us from our sins. She hasn't been crucified, only her son. He is the one who 
redeems us. And only he. And if we pray to Mary, she cannot help because she is dead and sleeps in the grave. But she was a wonderful woman. Communication. Communication between people. When I was in Spain for the first time, I was 19, and then I met someone and I started talking, then I discovered, ah, I'm in Spain. This person is not able to understand me in German. Ah, English. But this person wasn't able to understand English either. And then, uh, yeah, these were the only two languages I was able to speak. We could not communicate. But we wanted to talk to each other. She was a young lady, I was a young guy, and yeah, we wanted to talk, and it wasn't possible. No communica communication possible. We could only look at each other and smile, which is a little bit difficult if you go on for that for a longer time. And then I discovered language, foreign languages. They're important, otherwise you can't communicate. Oh, I should have learned more languages. This idea was too late for this moment. Communication is so important. When you read in the New Testament, in the scroll of Paul to the Hebrews, we read in the first chapter, in the first verse, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. God spoke. Huh. He is interested in communication with us. He wants to communicate. And through the prophets, he communicated. Anyone listening? And then he goes on. Has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Next communication. The father wants to communicate. First through the prophets, then through the son, and now through the Spirit. Are you listening? Are you obeying? Communication is so important and that it doesn't work happens very often. When, when there is a big firm and there are many, many people, it becomes difficult. So that all are informed at the same time and are on the same level of information. I once lived in a flat uh, higher up and I could look down to the neighbor's ground and there was a brick builder. 
And in the morning, Monday morning, he gathered together all his workers, all those bricklayers and so on, and they stood in a semicircle around him. And then he asked, so how far are you with your work? When will you be finished? On which day? And you, and you, and you. And he went around, and then he gave command. This, you do this, you do this. You go over there, you do this work. So now they were all on the same level of communication. It was in the open air, and he talked with a loud voice, and I could hear everything. I could have done the job if I had been a bricklayer. He communicated with his co-workers. It was important. And he did this every Monday morning. And then he told them, and I want to be informed in the evening, what you have done, how far you have got, how long you will take to finish, and so on. He wanted to be informed, and he informed them. And they had to follow. They couldn't say, well, but I think I, you can think what you want. I tell you this. Are you in the morning together with your Lord? Listening to his commands and obeying? How can you go into the day without being together with him? That's the most important time of the day. The role of parents. When a little one has a daddy and a mummy and they love this little one, then everything is okay. It will grow and it will develop in a fine way. When the parents have a loving relationship to the Father in heaven, when they're informed by the Father what is worthwhile, when they're informed about the values in life, and when they communicate and tell the little one what is really important for life. So the first important thing for a teenager, when he discovers, ah, there are not only males around, but females too. And the female discovers there are not only females around, but males too. And then you look for someone. And the Apostle Paul gives an advice in the second Corinthians epistle, chapter 6, verse 14. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's the first point. Whom do I choose? Normally it happens like this. There is someone who is interested in you And then you 
is that hovering above the ground. Wow, someone loves me. Millions are around. And someone loves me. Wow, this is, ah, this is powerful, the soul, isn't it? You are loved by someone. You are important. You are full of value for someone. And this is what's, what makes us tremble, shiver with cold. I am loved. Have you ever shivered when you think that you are loved by God? By God, you are loved. He wants to help you. But you can only be helped if you listen to a wise person give you, giving you advice. Now when you have found a young person and you think, Hurrah! There's someone who loves me. Okay, let's come together. Normally, This is much too quick. You should look at more than on a beautiful face when you are a man. And you see a beautiful young lady. Fine that there's a beautiful young lady. But is she beautiful in her character as well? And the other way around. The character character. This is the thing that pays. I remember it was my, my first marriage as a pastor. So I, I had to be the pastor for a marriage for the first time. I was a young pastor. And then I said the following and then I discovered this is maybe not Not so ideal to say it like this. I addressed the bridegroom. So the, the man who had found a young lady said, Oh, you have, a, you have found a wonderful young lady. What a beautiful face. Now, I added. Maybe I shouldn't have said now. Everybody laughed, and I got a red face, and then I laughed even more. But it is the truth. You've got a beautiful wife. Now, look at her in 20 years, in 30 years, 40 years. She will look different. But she can, even, she can be even more beautiful in 50 years than now. If she has a beautiful character, then she will be more beautiful for you than now. So look at the character, so that the little ones, which grow up in a family, have a mother and a father with a fine character to look at. Lest you forget, When Jesus was asked a question, he normally cited a verse from the Old Testament. And 
you can put all these verses together and look at the statistic which scroll of the Old Testament was cited the most by Jesus. It's an interesting statistic, isn't it? So he cited many, many, many different scrolls. But one is in this hit list, number one. Do you know which one? If you want to know it, I will tell you. It is the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book Moses wrote. Why this? This book is a summary of an experience of 120 years. So Moses summarizes what's important for life. And in chapter 6, we read in verse 6, And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And he goes on, verse 7, and you shall teach them diligently unto your children these words which have come into your heart. And you shall talk of them, of these words, when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. <laughs> so all the time. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the posts of your house and on your gates. Have you done so? That's great, isn't it? That's great. You shall write them upon the posts of your house and on your gates so that everybody can read it who passes by. This is a recommendation by God through Moses. And all these recommendations are therefore that your life will succeed, that you are blessed. And when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say unto your son, These were the verses 20 and 21 in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. We were slaves. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And when you are there in the new land, and when you have a fine house, and a vineyard, and a fig tree, and a bomb tree, and so on. 
And when you have enough to eat and you have grown fat, then take care. Take care that you do not forget that it is the Lord who brought you there. Do not forget when you have grown rich, when you have got everything. Do not forget that it was the Lord who gave you the power, the energy, the talent in your brain to work so that you are there where you are now. Do not forget him who is behind you. Summary. Let's look at this piece of art painted by Maximilian Jansch, an Austrian artist. We see this is another culture, must be somewhere in Asia. Two teenagers, a boy, a girl, maybe brothers and sisters. And it seems that they are going to a well, bringing back water. The boy has something, take water into the jug. They are on their way. They know what to do. Their parents have told them what to do. Young people. I'm a teacher. I like young people. I like it that they are so interested in future. They want to know so many things. They ask so many things. And I like it that they like it to be informed. And in my age, it's now for the second time that I have kids. Now they are my kids of my daughter. I'm now in the role of grandparents with my wife. And if you are a grandfather, then you can do something for the second time, what you have already gone through for the first time, and you look at it differently. In a different way, you see you see the value of a young person. You see it with, with other eyes. You see how these young people look up to you and want to get orientation. Now imagine if you can give them the best value what's on this earth. What is the best? A loving relationship with the one who created you. And when you can show that in your life, in your attitude 
to young people. Imagine, in your church, you start communicating with someone, maybe a teenager, or a boy or girl in elementary school, whatever, a young person. And you say, oh, how are you going on in school? Do you have any problems? Would you like me to pray for you? Do you have an examination you are afraid of? Um, do you want me to help you in a certain field? This person will be astonished. There's someone who is interested in my welfare. And if you can show this, I'm interested in you. You're young, I'm older. I know something because I have lived for a longer time. This is an advantage. I've experienced a lot of things. And imagine, once I was the same age as you. I told this to a five-year-old girl and she looked at me when I told her that I had been once five years old. She looked up and down and then she said, no. <laughs> she couldn't imagine how this old person could be as small and tiny as she. It's interesting. But when they're a little bit older, they can imagine, ah, oh, this person must have been young too, long ago, centuries ago, in their eyes. I remember being a teacher in my first year, and then someone asked of the pupils, how old are you? Then I said, yes. And someone said a number which would fit exactly now for me. It was my first year as a teacher, and someone thought I'm more than 60. <laughs> Imagine, I was shocked. And then I discovered they have no idea about numbers and age. <laughs> they, they, they do not know, they just say numbers. Imagine if I would have been a woman Maybe at the age of 25 and they tell you you're 65. Maybe you can't sleep the whole night. But I can tell you, they don't know numbers. They don't know what this means. It's not your faith. You can't sleep tight. But young people are interested in information. And they look at you and give them the best information about the loving Father in heaven. And they will be blessed, and you too.